1: prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here it is. And that's what some of you were. Did you hear that? You didn't hear that. That's what you were. But that's not what you are now because you were washed. You were sanctified, set apart. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God.
0: Stop and think it over. What were you before Jesus found you? Pastor Danny shares from Revelation today that we were filthy, unfit, and unable to inherit the kingdom of God. When God met us, we were unholy and unrighteous. But God washed us. He cleansed us with the blood of Jesus, and He made us holy once again. He brought us into the family, and He made us sons of God, co-heirs with Christ. There's no one that's too far gone. No one who's done things that are too bad that God can't wash them too. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 14 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1, John the Apostle, of course, writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this is the revelation God gave him, we call the book of the Revelation. Then I looked, he says, and there before me was the Lamb, that would be Christ, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. Whether that's literal or figurative, I don't know. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. So that's interesting. It's as loud as thunder, but it's melodious. They sang a new song before the throne And before the four living creatures, we saw them early on in the book of Revelation, four angelic-type creatures, very interesting, that say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the elders, the 24 elders, we saw earlier in the book of Revelation too. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So this is a privileged group. These are those who did not defile themselves with women. If you have younger children here, I'm going to be talking very honestly at some point about sexual sin. That bothers you. Now is your departure opportunity. For they kept themselves pure. They followed the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are, and this is a very important word in the text, they are blameless. They are blameless. Not sinless. only one sinless human being, that's Jesus. But they are blameless. One observation that I hope will be helpful uh, as we consider what the Lord wants to say to us from this particular text. The 144,000 here are Jews that are saved During the tribulation period, we found them first in Revelation chapter 7. First part of Revelation 7, you see them sealed with the seal of God. That's the Holy Spirit. They come to faith in Christ. Zechariah chapter 13 verses 8 and 9 prophesies that during this time known as the great tribulation, and because of the awful things that are happening, good things come out of the awful things. And one of them is that the nation of Israel is purged. And a remnant is birthed. This is part of that remnant. They come to the place during the Great Tribulation that they realize Jesus of Nazareth is really the Messiah. And they put their faith in him. They are sealed with the seal of God, the Holy Spirit. In chapter 7, they were on earth. Here in chapter 14, they're in heaven. There's the earthly Mount Zion. The earthly Mount Zion is where the temple, the ancient temple, was built. But it's just a copy and a shadow of the true temple in heaven. Now, they're in heaven. You can probably deduce, well, I say probably, it's likely that they are martyred for their faith in Christ. Because during that seven-year tribulation period, They come to faith in Christ. And now, while the tribulation is still happening, they're in heaven. Last part of Revelation 7, you find a multitude of Gentiles also getting saved during the tribulation period. But our focus right here is on this select, privileged, refined remnant of Jews. One quick note, I feel compelled to just... Say it. They were on earth. They probably died for their faith. Now they're in heaven. And what a privileged position they have in heaven. It's not a pride thing. It's not a self-righteous thing. But it is a privilege. Now, here's the reminder. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. Choices made in this life determine our eternal destiny. Every single person knows that when you die, it's not the end. How do we know that? Our creator put that in every single man. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has said eternity in the heart of man. That's why we fear death. We know it's not the end. If we're just, you know, going to end our existence, why would you fear? you so see ya, I'm out of here. But there's no fear. No, there's fear. Because we know our Creator put it in us. And here, the reward for the sacrifice probably becoming martyrs for their faith in Christ. But it's worth it all. Now, decisions made in this life, especially the decision whether you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or not, that's the ultimate decision that'll determine whether you're going to be with the Lord or eternal damnation. That's what the Bible teaches. One of two choices. But choices and that choice, that choice about Christ, that determines our eternal destiny, uh, heaven or hell, if you will. But decisions made after making the eternal decision to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, decisions made after that point determine the dynamics of our eternity. It's a bit mysterious, but that's what we see in the text. They they are a privileged group. They, they have a song that's their song, not your song, not my song. It's their song. They have a privileged position in terms of following the Lamb. And it's not a pride thing, again, not a self-righteous thing, but it is a privilege. And we'll get to why they're so privileged before we're done. But note in the text, uh, too, note in the text, they were purchased from among men, and offered his first fruits. They were purchased. They were purchased. They were bought. Well, it's just like you and I. You and I. And all of us who have put our faith in Christ, we were bought. It's not us. Not our merit. Not our righteousness. Peter says the precious, unblemished blood of Christ. So we're all going to heaven based on the sacrifice of Jesus, not our own merits. And you that have been in church and Bible teaching churches, if it's this one, of course, you know that. You know that. So, so here's the point. They're purchased from among men. And we are not told, we are not told what their lives were like before they put their faith in Christ. And guess what? We don't need to know. Let me leave the text for a moment. Refer you over just for a moment to First Corinthians Chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this Roman audience, these uncircumcised Gentiles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul the Apostle writes, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here it is. And that's what some of you were. Did you hear that? You didn't hear that. That's what you were. But that's not what you are now because you were washed, you were sanctified, set apart, you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. One of the things I remember from Bible college, early on, my first year, and the professor taught what this word justified means. You were justified. It's just as if you never sinned. I never forgot that. That's great to know. So look, doesn't matter what you were in the past Once you put your faith in Christ, that's wiped out. You've literally been born again. That's not a cliche. That's not a metaphor. That's a literal. The old is gone. The new has come. So we don't need to know what their lives were like because that's under the blood. That's done. That's forgiven. You're a new person in Christ. Ah, ah. That's not the point of the text in Revelation. You see, there's no record of the past because that's under the blood. But now that I've been born again, God's keeping a record. Not to determine whether I'm going to heaven or hell. No, I'm going to heaven. Whether you like it or not, I'm going. (laughs) I'm going, I'll be there. I'd like to see you there, but a record ever since I committed my life to Christ, I was born again. God's keeping a record because one day I will, and every believer will stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, let me read it. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So again, whether good or bad. The bad doesn't send me to hell, but it does affect my life here as a Christian, and it determines the dynamics of my eternity. Wow. One more text. Turn to this one with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter three. Paul the apostle writes here explaining to us the criteria, at least some of the criteria for the judgment seat of Christ. And he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. It's very clear in the passage. You'll see it. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. By the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the reason. If any man builds on this foundation faith in Christ, using gold, silver, costly stones, and then he switches to wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Now, I love this. He himself will be saved. So we're talking about a Christian. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Kind of like you just, you you, you made it. No real commendation when you get there, but you're there. And some people say, well, I just want to be there. Well, I understand that. I understand that. But it says something about your heart. If, if you don't want to hear your Lord and Savior say, good job, good job, well done, good and faithful, servant," You don't want him to say, Now I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know. I don't know. Do we all stand before him at one time? Do we all get called in one at a time? You know, do you go before me? Do I go before you? If you go before me and you come out and you don't look too happy, I'll be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. I'm sick today. Can I go? You know, well, of course, you're in heaven. You're not sick anymore, so you don't have that excuse. I don't know how it works, you know, but you don't want to hear him say, well, you're here. Here's your hut. <laughs> No, no, you want him. If your heart is right and you really have a relationship with him, you know, you want to hear him say, welcome. Been longing to see you. Good to see you. By the way, good job down there. But evidently, some won't hear that. Now, it's clear, the gold, the silver, the costly stones. What does that suggest? Sacrifice. Proverbs 2 says if you look for it, it's for silver, wisdom. That's for hidden treasure. You're willing, to, you're willing to give up. Treasure hunters are willing to give up all kinds of things to go treasure hunting. It's great sacrifice. It's real commitment. It's not lukewarm attitude. It's not just attending church. It's you're serious about it. You know, but the, the last three is obvious. The, the wood, hay, and the straw, that's easily attainable. There's no real sacrifice there, you know. So it's a difference in the the one that's really committed and the one that's just kind of half-hearted. And they're both Christians. That's clear in the text. They're both Christians. They're both saved. Yet he himself will be saved, but as as one escaping the flames. You got no real commendation, but you're going to make it. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I know you don't either. Here's what I found in reading the Bible, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And I like it and I don't like it. I like it and I don't like it. I probably don't like it more than I like it. I like it because my name's not in there. What are you talking about? Well, God tells the truth about his saints. You think Abraham's excited that God gave the record of his mistakes? He lied not only once, he lied twice just to save his own skin. You think Moses is excited that God told the story about him knowing that he's got a call of God on his life and he's called to be a deliverer and then he goes and tries to do it in the arm of the flesh and he commits murder? Moses? Moses is a murderer? Yep, Charlton Heston. He did it. <laughs> he did it. I know you love him, but he did it. I tell you one, guys, I guarantee you he's not excited. He's not happy that uh, God gave the full record because, you, you know, on one side you go, well, if you forgave me, why did you tell him? Why did you tell him what I did? You forgave me, didn't you? I mean, David, a man after God's own heart. And he goes out in a one night stand and he sees Bathsheba. And you probably know the story and the the adultery and the, 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 the cover up, the attempted cover up. What a hypocrite. And then he has Bathsheba's husband, one of his mighty men. Has him murdered. He also is a murderer. A murderer. You think he's excited about that blot and blemish on his record? I don't think so. Samson, he was independent and arrogant, no matter how powerful he was for God. Peter, he had a big mouth and it was filled with pride. James and John had terrible tempers. They needed anger management. Now, I want to be careful to point out That God forgave Abraham and God forgave David and God forgave Peter. I'll die with you. I'm going to tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the cock crows, three times you're going to deny you to even know me. No, I'll die with you. Well, okay, have it your way. The truth came out, didn't it? What a gracious God we serve. He forgives his own saints terrible mistakes. And if you're one of those saints, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And The Bible is very clear. Don't let the guilt of mistakes as a Christian continue to plague you. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. I don't care what you've done as a Christian. Get it under the blood and move forward. Move forward. But move forward determining that you're not going to be that stupid again. You're not going to make that mistake. David learned his lesson, but it was a hard one. And there were scars the rest of his life and scars with his family. But he did learn. He did learn. You know, just as there are examples of blots and blemishes on the record of the saints we have in the Bible, have you ever thought of the other side of the coin? Well, if not, let me help you out. There are some saints in the Bible that you don't have that kind of thing. If God's going to tell the truth about David, he's going to tell the truth about everybody. Right? Let Let me throw some names out. Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? first two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain killed Abel. But you read the record in Hebrews, and Abel was offering sacrifices pleasing to the Lord. And now, one advantage of dying early, if you will, Cain killed Abel, and that's tragic. But, you know, Abel got out of here without an opportunity to make, more, make any mistakes, you know, like others did. You know, he got out of here, you know. And, you know, there's kind of an advantage to leaving early. I don't want to leave early, but I guess, well, it's too late for me now anyway. I can't leave early. And once you're my age, you're not going to leave early. But Abel, there's no lot. There's no blemish. Enoch, Enoch, he walked with God. And that was in a day they lived a whole lot longer, a whole lot more opportunity to mess up because you got more time to do it. Enoch walked with God and God was so pleased with him. He said, come on home. Samuel, Joseph, Joshua. Esther, Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus cast seven spirits. And after that, you find no blot or blemish on her record. She was there at the tomb. She was the first one Jesus appeared to after the resurrection. Mother Mary, the blessed mother. She is the blessed mother. She's not sinless like the Catholic Church teaches, but she is the blessed mother. And there's no blot and blemish on her record. Timothy. The Apostle Paul. So just as there are those that you, you look at in the Bible, you go, they made terrible mistakes. Thank God he forgave them. But, but there's still blots and blemishes. Let's go back to our text just for a minute. Revelation. What's the characteristic described? What's the characteristic of this special group? Here's what it says. Last verse we read. They are blameless. They are blam- they're not sinless, but they are blameless. And there are two areas. Before I shut up, there are two areas it mentions they were blameless in. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. What a victory. (laughs) Oh, man. What, What a great thing to be able, when you commit your life to Christ, and after you commit your life to Christ, there's no blemish that you have given yourselves to any sexual sin. That's quite an accomplishment. If that doesn't give you a privileged position, I don't know what else would. Again, it's not self righteousness. Not self righteousness. But it is an accomplishment by faith and by commitment and by sacrifice. And, and here's the good news it can be done. I know you're looking at me like, ah, oh, it can't be done. It can be done. You can be victorious over sexual temptation. I'm going to give you the three biblical ways to be victorious over sexual temptation. I'm going to do it quickly because they're not hard to understand. The problem is not understanding and the challenge is doing them. You know what the first one the Bible says? How to escape sexual sin?
0: Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny Hodges has been teaching through a series from the Book of Revelation. Though deemed as a bit daunting, Revelation is actually full of so much hope. It's not just about judgment. It's about Jesus. It's about the hope that we have in Him because He wins. He defeats darkness and makes all things new. What hope we have in the light of the world? Here at The Living Word, we understand how strange this must seem to those who don't know Christ, but what better way for them to experience Him than through you? We pray that you keep tuning in to this series to learn the truth that's revealed in God's word. We also pray that as you grow in him, the people around you will come to know Jesus as well in a profound way. Would you also be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're constantly in need of His guidance, so please pray that we would recognize His voice and His direction. Thanks so much for praying about this. Before we leave you today, if you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you come join us for one of our weekend services. Just go to church and get directions and service times. Again, that's church. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word.